Okay. All right. All right, so we're here at the SAMI conference out in Phoenix, and I have here with me Mindy and Carrie Ann, who just did a session on marketing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about marketing in the engineering world. I'm going to ask them to just introduce themselves, Carrie Ann. Sure, I'm Carrie Ann Williams. I'm the principal of Andana Consulting, which is a boutique marketing agency focused just on the AEC industry. We mostly work with clients in proposal development and communication strategy. Awesome. Mindy? Hi, I'm Mindy Hinesley. I divide my time as Chief Marketing Officer of ARIA Environmental, a women-owned industrial hygiene firm, and also my own consulting business, Hinesley Collective, LLC, and I help small businesses enter the federal marketplace. Awesome, awesome. So you just gave a session on marketing, and I know that that could be a challenge for engineers and engineering companies. I could say that because I am an engineer. So I don't want you to recap your whole talk, but maybe we could just go through some of the strategies or, you know, just in general marketing. What are you seeing out there? Where do you see that companies or engineers can really improve on that on the, on the marketing side of things? Well, one thing that became really obvious during our session today is that small businesses and even mid-size and large businesses are really embracing marketing as a whole. And we talked about research and strategy proposal development, business development, and corporate communications, tying all of that together. And I think that we struck a chord that people know they have to do more, they have to embrace it, they have to make smart decisions, and they do that by conducting research, understanding the marketplace, and then developing a strategy and plan for it, and then executing it. And it's not enough just to respond to a proposal that comes out through FedBizOps or any other service that... You know, you have to have some other layers in place to help support all that energy that you put out in a proposal. Yeah, it's a good point because I, I think you're right. I think that the traditional kind of approach is look for the RFPs and just go through the process, submit them, get them in. There was a couple people in your session that said, you know, we're having trouble just, you know, keeping up with it mm-hmm. with this cycle. But I think if you want to market effectively, you've got to, there's a lot of things that have to be done, oh, sure. which is where I think it can get. Well, one, difficult for small businesses, like you said, because they don't have necessarily all that staff, mm-hmm. which I guess is challenging because you have to get to a point where you have to either have help mm-hmm. with you know people like yourselves or you need to either have enough people in your company that can focus on that. Otherwise, it becomes a very difficult thing, and you're kind of doing a lot of work. These proposals are a lot of work. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, definitely. <laughs> a lot of man hours, a lot of work, mm-hmm. and if you're not getting them, it's a problem. So... I definitely think that I see that as a struggle. What could you? How could you recommend that someone can take a kind of a blended approach? What can they do to try to cover all these different aspects of proposals? Right. One thing we did talk about today was the need to create a culture in the firm where business development marketing is vital and everybody plays a part in it. And uh, you know, the seller doer model is obviously a hot topic right now, yeah. and, and um, we're also dealing with less resources but more work Um, and so finding that balance is really tough Mm -hmm. yeah and we also talked about um, creating a proposal approach that aligns with your business strategy so that you're not just throwing stuff out because you can do the work but that it aligns with what your business is targeting your growth patterns the sectors that you want to be in and that your proposal process is in line with a go no-go form that helps you make the decision to go after that proposal so that you're not wasting time chasing everything but that you are very methodical in the way that you're approaching it so your team isn't overextended 
um, or they're rarely overextended so that you're getting more out of what you're doing. So your hit rates are improving because you're submitting less, but they're higher quality. And when you, and that's, I think that's an excellent point. And how do you, you know, if someone's in that position to make that decision, is it, so you're basing it, I mean, on your expertise, obviously, but is there any, like, what were some, what might they ask themselves? So, like, a lot of it can be based on historical data, what your term or your firm has gone after in the past okay. and where they've been successful or what their teaming partners have been doing and maybe they're coming on board to enter a new service line or market sector. But I think a lot of it has to do with just researching and understanding um, the market in which they operate, but also ha- building those relationships so people are aware of your firm and what your strategies are and your um, niche kind of engineering expertise or architectural expertise, you have to align so many things now. It can't, like Karen said, it can't just be submitting because you can do the work, but truly understanding the marketplace, understanding the key players, getting your message out, positioning yourself in that marketplace and, and you know, brand consistency and moving forward on those terms. Yeah. There's so many, talking- no, there's so many levels. You're right. That's the thing that makes this so interesting mm-hmm. to me is that when you do engineering, you know, because I, I worked for an engineering company for a long time, you're not thinking in all those dimensions. Right. You know what I mean? You're thinking of get a project, do a project, finish a project, move on to the next project. So all of a sudden, like, all these terms that Mindy just mentioned, I'm like, my head is spinning around. Like, I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm just one engineer. So I would imagine that it's extremely overwhelming. I know it's overwhelming. Um, and I think some of these points can be very helpful. But I think that one point about not chasing everything is a really important thing today because... I know that these proposals cost firms a lot of time and a lot of money. And if you can stop wasting any effort on them and put more energy into the ones that matter, mm-hmm. then, your, like you said, your hit rate could go up quite a bit. Yeah, and it, two things on that. One is an example we gave today a couple times is years ago, the Army Corps District in Baltimore had an IDIQ, and mid-sized firms would go after it. They'd issue five contracts, and they'd have 20 proposals received and five contracts awarded. And then when it came out again after the recession and after BRAC was over and everything, 115 firms submitted on the exact same contract for, again, five awards. And so how do you rise to the top and how do you make that compelling? But how do you also know that you're competing against 115 firms and if you just think you can do the work because you did it once or you had a similar contract eight years ago, that's not really going to cut the rise, make the cut. So... um, those sort of thoughts going into the pr- approach to a proposal really help make those decisions. And they're tough decisions because no one wants to say no when you're sitting there and you're like, well, we can do all this and mm-hmm. look at that revenue for the next five years. But if you can say no and then you're not wasting 45 hours of, of yeah. everyone's time mm-hmm. putting this together, um, but then you find one that is more aligned with what you can do, that you've got the relationships in place to go after. And the second thing I wanted to bring up that you reminded me of is that engineers uh, get a project, they do a project, they find a new project. And one of the things in marketing that we didn't really talk about today, Mm -hmm. but that really, really help you elevate your proposal and elevate your qualifications is to tell that story. How did you solve that problem? How did you come up with the solution? Mm -hmm. Because as an engineer, that's your job. Your job is to say, we need to do this thing oh, we can do it these five ways, this is the best one, this is most cost-effective, mm-hmm. and all that. But at the end of the day, you tell me, your marketing person, oh, well, we just did the thing, you know, it was done. Yeah. And it, you know, it came in under budget. Right. 
And so if you sit with me and we talk about it and you start telling me, oh, yeah, well, this came up and then the guy said we wanted to do this and then we added solar because that did this thing. And so suddenly I've got a whole story to tell about a project that is really compelling to the client that we can throw into the proposal that when they're looking at it and they see that five other firms have done the exact same right. work, but they see our approach and they see our way of problem solving or the different methods that we use to get there that seem just so innate to an engineer that really tell the marketing story. Um, so being able to work with collaboratively with the technical staff and the marketing mm-hmm. staff to build all those nuances into mm-hmm. the messaging because that's something that really gets missed if you write a project approach based on your scope. Right. You're missing all that. And the client really gets a sense of who they're going to be working right. with. This is how they execute their projects and how they um, solve problems on the fly. Because, um, you know, to read, we built a 96,000 square foot, four story um, masonry built warehouse. Like, who cares? Right. I mean, you know, that's great and that's right. a fantastic like a project. But yeah. does it really tell how you're going to engage with this company and how you're going to work with them? So yeah, I find it far more fascinating if I had to review 115 proposals that some that would stand out to me more than anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's I like that point too because I think sometimes, you know, there's could be friction between engineers, the engineering department, and the marketing department. What? No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> but I think what you just said, Carrie Ann, is a good point as to how you can really work together in that, like, you know, as the engineer. I can tell you what we did technically and then maybe you can draw like the creative Mm -hmm. story out of it that you can then communicate to the prospective clients so that they're because you know they're probably going to want to wrap their head more around I mean yeah they're going to want to know some of the statistical stuff but if you can put it to them in a way like you said that's more engaging to them that this is how this firm can really help me I like their story they're lined up with us that's yeah. worth well, a that, lot. That informs your proposal project descriptions, but it also goes into any communications piece. So, you know, if you read an article in ENR, it's very, it's definitely a project approach, but it's much different from what you would do, uh, you know, it's in the proposal parameters. But that sort story is all still there and all those details and the nuances and the, the interesting facts that would make it a newsworthy article mm-hmm. are the same things that would go into a proposals, you just have to streamline it. So thinking about it in a bigger picture of how all that can be used in different ways throughout the firm, through marketing efforts and proposals and business development. Because once you tell the story, then you, when you're in a client meeting, then you're thinking about it in a little bit different way as well. Be like, okay, well, you know, we did do it this way. Mm-hmm. Instead of just, yes, we're an engineering firm and we do civil site structural right. landscape architecture. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the marketing engineering friction. I yeah. just, I find this fascinating. And it's changed a lot in the years. Um, engineers are billable. They're working on their projects. They are expected to be billable. Marketing is non-billable. We're the thorn in the side saying, hey, we really need your help. Right. But I want people to understand it's a it's a collaboration, a true collaboration. Is The firms that truly um, work together on this level, they're going to win much more work. They're going to um, it's going to permeate all things they do. People are going to be excited about working, um, winning projects and seeing where we can take things and growing. And I think more often than not, um, you know, I worked in a large engineering firm for 14 years and um, I really touted this idea of collaboration. You know, we will help you, right. but leadership and ownership have to you know, shift the culture a little bit and let them know, hey, it's okay to give some non-billable time to marketing efforts or yes. business development efforts. And once they mandate that shift and we can work 
as, together as a team. It, we, we made huge inroads into different market sectors or offering, you know, different service offerings that we were able to enter just because we started to work together. And it wasn't like, oh, God, here comes Mindy from marketing. Let me hide, you know, in my cubicle. Maybe she won't see me or I'll act like I'm on the phone or... Um, hey, we're here because we want to win work and we want our firm to grow. And we want so how did you really do that, Mindy? Tell us, give us like, not examples, but um, just like if you remember, like what was it that worked there? What I did was because a lot of times I think marketing has, um, back in the day we would be like, hey, I need a project write-up or I need your right. resume updated. Nobody's, they don't want to sit and do that. Engineers don't want it. They're too busy. That's not their, they went to school to design things and build things. They're not there to write. So what I did was I'd be like, right. I tell you what, can you give me 15 minutes? I just want to pick your brain. And I'm going to write it for you, but I just want to hear what you have to say. And people like to talk about what they're doing. And right, I found that point, yeah. engineers really like to talk about their craft. And it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And they, they're passionate about it. So I learned a lot about bridge scour early on because <laughs> uh, I had a tough bridge engineer. And I was like, hey, I don't understand what this means in the RFP. Can you just sit down and talk to me? And he drew pictures and, you know, uh-huh. well-rounded. But, you know, we had the best relationship after that. And we were able to go on business development meetings um, together and, go on client calls together and he really we had a great working relationship for a long time so it's just not so adversarial but knowing that we're working we're as passionate about our craft as you are about engineering and if we can just marry the two then we're gonna right. we're gonna do a lot of great things together yeah it's good I, mean, I think the way to think of it is that it's like the marketing and engineering you put them together it can be extremely powerful if you can fit together mm-hmm. you know like the right way kind of like a puzzle and like you're right. saying engineers tell us all this stuff about the project and then we can take it and kind of spin it for the clients that they they can see like Mm three-dimensional like not just what you're doing but what we can be doing the story behind it so it's really good i think also you touched on probably like one of the fundamental problems in the engineering industry which is probably a whole nother podcast episode but is the whole (laughs) idea of billability it's a major problem every engineer that maybe we run a community for engineers online and always in our forum it comes Mm -hmm. up is that you know I'm supposed to be 90 to 95% billable, and I, but I want to try to get business. I want to start to do other things. And it's, I mean, listen, the problem is, is that if you're not billable, we understand that the company's not, quote unquote, making money. But if you're not billable and you're doing things like we just talked about, like having a conversation mm-hmm. with Mindy that's going to help you win a, a million dollar contract, then yeah, you're not like directly billable in those 15 minutes, but mm-hmm. it's going to come back to you in the long run. Right. We had a quote that we showed today from a Harvard University professor, and he studies um, business and economics, and he particularly looks at the AEC industry. And he said, your billable time is what earns your revenue for the year, but your non-billable time is what pois- uh, poses you for growth in the future. So I think I've never, it's, I came across it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, I want that. That just speaks volumes, because it is true a lot of times, we'll be like, hey, I need your help. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm being billable. I'm, I'm earning money for the company. Company. And I'm like, all right. You know, I get it. I get it because, um, you know, engineers also, you have great respect for them, but they don't think in gray. Marketing is a lot of gray. Right. So what I've found is um, giving true metrics and measurements to what we're doing and showing some return a, on things yeah, that we're point. doing speaks volumes. And I remember uh, the president of my old firm, I would go in and he was just a tried and true engineer. And I'm like, I need to have a conversation with you, but it has to be gray. It can't be black and white. 
I don't have a formula that's going to work out. So yeah. can we just talk gray? And um, it was funny. So we had this conver- we had a great conversation. I was like, okay. So I found that that was the way I'd approach him when I wanted to talk, like big picture. Like I don't know the definites of this yet, but this is where we're going. And um, so we finished our conversation, and I said, oh, look at the new piece I just developed for our um, transportation marketing sector, the, the nice new graphic layout. And um, when I had graphic design in college, it was, you know, we embraced white space. We didn't have to fill every little right. nook and cranny. And, he's, and I offset some things just for visual interest, right? Yeah. And I know this is foreign. But he said to me, he's like, no, no, no. When you lay out things, it has to be on a perfect grid. And he starts drawing me a grid, yeah. right, with all the pictures. So I was like, no, no, you just ruined all the work I just did <laughs> in the first 20 minutes of being in here. But we had a great respect for whatever, and we worked it all out. But um, I think you really have to talk to people and how they're comfortable and get to know them as people and what makes them tick and learning how they work also and, and how they're most, most receptive to helping you and then helping them out. Yeah, no, that's great. And that quote that you mentioned from Harvard. I probably slaughtered it, but it, it's yeah, close. Well, I'm, yeah, well, I mean, I think that the companies that I think of now in the engineering industry that are growing fast, we've had the chance to interview some of the CEOs on the podcast. I think they get that quote. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they get that some unbillable time that's used to grow your pipeline mm-hmm. is very valuable. Oh, sure. And I think the companies that don't get that are the ones that kind of hit a, a they just top off and they can't get to the next mm-hmm. level and they can't well, figure it out. I think it comes down to creating uh, brand ambassadors of your employees, creating that employee engagement so that they're not looking at their 40-hour work week. How are they going to be 90, 90% billable and do some other work and still go home at 5 o'clock every day where they're a champion for your, their business, for their company. They want to move things forward. They're okay spending some personal time working on some non-billable work, whether it's coming to a conference or going to an event right. or calling somebody at the close of business just to say, hey, we haven't worked together in a while. Um, having them feel empowered and part of something so that they're continuously moving forward. They're not just seen as, I do this thing, I'm the CAD guy, and this is what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to go home, and then I'm going to come in and do it again. But they're really part of the whole they can see where they fit in the whole strategy of the company and how they're helping to move it forward so that, you know, maybe they're not the one totally client-facing, but they're just helping to rewrite their resume or helping to provide some statistics on a proposal or taking project photos where they can see how what they're doing can impact the growth of the company so that it's not such a black-and-white deal of billable versus non-billable, but it's more integrated and that an engaged employee is a happy employee. And... Um, it, a lot of it comes down to not necessarily monetary compensation or more time off, but just that feeling of being part of something bigger and helping that whole thing grow. Right. And what and a it, great way to develop your leaders, yeah, your firms, absolutely. to grow them. And they feel like they're part of the bigger picture mm-hmm. as opposed to just coming in, like you said, and either doing a drafting or doing a report or something like that, which I think is is critical to being engaged and to kind of plugging in. And listen, I mean, I think like we're making it sound a little easy as far as like you know, you should let your engineers not be as billable so they could do business development. And, you know, it's not that easy because if you give an engineer 10 hours a week to go do non-billable stuff, they may not be effective at all, right? Not just mm-hmm. any engineer can start right. doing this. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly a training aspect involved. And I think that there's some kind of compromise where they, they can be a little bit less billable as long as that less billable time is good, productive time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I think, kind of your job as 
an engineering firm or manager or executive is to figure out how that time becomes valuable. And I think, you know, like Mindy was saying, having these conversations with marketing, having these meetings, building up the relationships just in between the marketing engineering professionals can be very valuable. Yeah, it's very important to have those regular conversations, whether it's a formal marketing meeting or just one-on-one conversations and individual coaching about how it works. Um, and, and there can also be formal trainings. I sure. know we, mm-hmm. Mindy and I have both, uh, as in-house marketing professionals, have done lunch and learns on, you know, how do you, how do you cold call somebody? How do you engage at a, a networking mm-hmm. event? What do you do after you get back and you follow up? Like, give me their business cards. We'll scan <laughs> it in. We'll send them an email. But, you know, just making sure that people have the tools that they need to do it. As we mentioned earlier today in our session, people don't realize who they know either. So the more they're aware of how it all works and how everything's connected, they might say, oh, my son plays Little League with the head of facilities at the university we're trying Mm -hmm. to do work with. I had no idea. Um, And then giving them the tools to talk to that person outside of the context of Little League and to make that consultative sales thing because engineers are scared of sales as well. Can't so making it, <laughs> you know, make it creating a right. comfort level and, and making sure that, you know, some people are going to be more comfortable giving a presentation or maybe they're more comfortable writing a paper for a, a journal, a technical Wait, journal. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the other guys that are able to switch gears and go out and take somebody to lunch and do some networking. And so you embrace those different aspects of everybody's personality um, to help keep it moving forward. That's a great point. I think you really have to play to the strengths of the individual and their comfort level. What I would do also to get people kind of get their dip their toes a little bit in the networking and business development pool is I would always say, hey, look, if let's go meet with this client. I'm going to come with you because I know the whole firm. But we're going to talk maybe about what you're doing because this particular client has an issue. Maybe it's a stormwater management issue or um, a drainage issue. But I'm going to go with you because I want them to know everything we do, but I also want to have my technical person there who can really start giving them some solutions and build a rapport. And they know that the client now feels comfortable enough with this person that they can pick up the phone and call them when they need them. And that's part of just relationship building 101. Right, and that's that synergy that we talked about a little bit is Mm -hmm. having both of you there Mm -hmm. provides the client with two different aspects of what you do, right? And we're always a great resource. Marketing is a great resource to have as a third-party type of person, like, hey, who can help me here, or what do you know about this? And um, marketing is truly valuable, more so than ever in this day and age in our industry. Yeah, and I think think also, like, from the marketing side of it, I'm sure, like, if you're going to a dinner or something and you could have the technical person with you, too, Mm -hmm. from the technical aspect is probably helpful, I would think, too, right? If Mm -hmm. someone's talking about a new project that's coming up and you might be like, what what does this mean or what does Mm -hmm. this part of it mean? So I think there's a lot of value for each other, you know? It's true, yeah. And there's been some studies done that, you know, end user clients really want to talk to the the technical expert on what's going on Mm -hmm. because they do have an issue. They do have things that they want to talk about that marketing knows enough to be dangerous on but can't really tell you, oh, yeah, this needs to be graded to this slope. And yeah, no, yeah. no. And and all mm-hmm. likewise you don't want to be writing proposals right. or, or, or creating new website content. So, you know, that's why we do right. we value what we do and, and, and we value what the engineers right. do. So being able to be uh, a team in terms of how you present to a client is really good. Yeah, our um one thing about the marketing profession in this industry, it's changed so rapidly over the, the last few years right. and you have to be on touch on point with everything and you're such part scientist part creative uh you know person you're mirroring the right and left brain now because we have to have research and strategy to back up 
our creative efforts and our promotional efforts and how we sell the firm. So it's really exciting time to be a marketing professional in this industry. Great. All right, well, thank you, Carrie Ann and Mindy, for some time here today. And if you're an engineer, this is your, you know, kind of call not to be (laughs) afraid of marketing or, you know, worried that marketing is so much different than engineering. There's avenues to work together, and it can be very valuable for you and your firm if you can work together in a good relationship. And you can talk to your CEOs, your executives about, you know, I do want to be a little bit less billable, but I also have a plan for how that non-billable time is going to be productive, and you can come up with some kind of a plan. So we will certainly um, link to Mindy and Karian's websites or you know, how we can get in touch with you in the show notes for this show so you can check out what they're doing. Um, and again, thanks for spending some time with us after just speaking in a session. I know that's probably tiring, so thank you. We're good. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs>